It's a movement, but it's about people. Be the People is about we the people joining forces to reclaim and reshape the best of our nation's time-treasured traditions. Each week, we offer insightful interviews with movers and shakers from all different spheres of life. And now, please welcome Dr. Carol Swain. Welcome to the Be The People Show. I am so excited today to be on with Justin Malone. And you probably have not heard of Justin Malone, but you will. One day he will be like Steven Spielberg. But right now, I know Justin because he was the director and also uh, the inspiration behind a documentary film that I'm in called Uncle Tom, Uncle Tom film. And yes, you heard it correct, Uncle Tom. And anyone that knows about the Black community knows that most Black folks don't like to be called Uncle Tom. And I'm a black woman, and sometimes I get called um, Aunt Jane. Uh, and so Aunt Jane, I guess, is Uncle Tom's wife. And so here we have Justin Malone. Now, Justin was born in Dallas, Texas. A lot of good things come from Texas. We know not to mess with Texas. And right now, the Democrats are messing with Texas. They're trying to turn it into a blue state. We can't let that happen to Texas. Justin, my guest, he's a film director, he's an editor. He's gonna tell us more about the films he's been involved in. I am focused on this Uncle Tom film because I'm one of the black conservatives who is featured in this film. The Uncle Tom film is a collection of intimate interviews with Black conservative thinkers. Help me to welcome Justin Malone to the Be The People Show. Justin, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you, Carol. It's an honor to be with you on your show. And tell me, how did a nice white boy like you get to put together a film about Black conservatives being called Uncle Tom? Well, um, it was it, it was a journey uh, of several years leading up to me deciding to make this film. And, you know, I, as I was getting older, uh, I was my, my mind was obviously thinking more politically. And in 2008, I made a film about illegal immigration called Undocumented. And that sent me all across America uh, doing a film covering illegal immigration at that time. So I really was a lot more political minded going through that process. And towards the end of making that film, uh, Barack Obama was emerging on the political scene. And I had just learned everything about the border. And you know, I had a whole new perspective on immigration, uh, particularly going down to the border and seeing the human trafficking and the coyotes and, and understanding what's really going on down there. So I, I, I became strongly against illegal immigration after making that film um, as well as everyone on my crew we were very i was 25 at the time and everyone on my team was was that age and it, it flipped us all because we went and we really dug in and and, and and learned about the subject well based on that when obama was uh campaigning 
just just based on his uh, his immigration policy, I wasn't supporting Obama. And at that time, uh, a lot of my friends were on the Obama bandwagon and they made his race an issue and how important it was that he was black. And they were insinuating that I wouldn't want him to be president because he's black. And that was kind of that what was going on. So I just kept my mouth shut. Um, and, you know, Obama went on to win. And, you know, I, I rooted for Obama um, because I wanted him to do a good job. And I thought that it was a historical moment for our country. And looking back at Obama then, he wasn't nearly as radical as he was towards the end of his presidency. But you move forward three years from then, Herman Cain announced his uh, candidacy his presidency, uh, his run for the presidency. I had never heard of Herman Cain, but I remember seeing his first interview on TV and I liked him immediately. I, I loved his personality and his charisma. So I researched uh, what his policies were and I, I was an early supporter of Herman Cain. Now, Justin, uh, before we get any deeper, I want to stop you because I am fascinated with the fact that you got started with uh, immigration I'm illegal immigration, and I don't know if you know, I've edited two books uh, on immigration, and I showed quite a few films, and I may have shown your film in one of my classes, so I'm very excited about that. Excellent. I'm going to send you a link when we hang up, uh, just so you have a copy of it, and um, I'm actually, not to get sidetracked, but I think that uh, Undocumented is going to kind of have a second chance here because of all the success I'm having with Uncle Tom. Um, I watched the film about a year ago and it holds up and it's still very relevant. Even though the film's 10 years old, it still holds up. Um, but that was, that was, that was where my mind was. And then I, I was an early supporter of Herman Cain. And then I saw Herman Cain go on the Lawrence O'Donnell show on MSNBC. And I had never seen a white man speak to a black man on television like that. I was shocked. What do you mean? What happened in that he interview? Just, he belittled Herman. Um, he, you know, he he downplayed the fact that Herman was raised in the Jim Crow South. He called him a, a draft dodger, like just anything he could take a shot at him. And here you had a white man telling a black man who grew up in in Georgia in the fifties and sixties that he uh, didn't do enough to help black people. And and Herman kept his cool, but that was, you know, I would have been you know, in, in my mid to late twenties then. And that was the first time that I had seen an interaction like that. And then of course, that's when I learned about the term uncle Tom and, and all these things. And then that's where the seed was planted. And I always thought it was interesting because you didn't see a lot of black Republicans and, you know, I didn't think it was a big deal. And at that time, race really wasn't a big deal. Um, if we go back to 2000, you know, eight through the, through those early years of Obama, Race wasn't a big deal for, for, for many people, um, especially I think my generation, we were kind of done with the discussion. Um, right. And that's when it kind of started kicking up. And I remember being like, I went back to those friends and I'm like, well, here's a black man that I'll vote for. If color is important, I like this guy. And of course, they didn't like him. So that that was that's what planted the seed. And I became more observant and. I learned more about Clarence Thomas. I went back and I researched, uh, looked at the Anita Hill trials and what happened there. Um, and then fast forward, um, as Trump, you know, the, the 2016 election is underway. Uh, I saw Candace Owens' first video 
And I thought she was very exciting and different. And then Brandon Tatum and a lot of these millennial black conservatives were emerging. And I had already become a fan of Larry Elder. And I, so, you know, I became a fan of you. I, I saw your video that you did with uh, Prager U. That's whenever I started tracking you down to be in the film. So it was, you know, I think once I saw the hypocrisy, the obvious hypocrisy, because here you had 24-7 news coverage of how racist Donald Trump was, yet you had this big movement of black people that were supporting Trump. And it was obvious. I mean, it, it, there was a So that, that led me to shoot my first interview for this film. And once I shot the interview, that would have been with uh, Chad Jackson, who is the plumber in the film, right. who's become a very dear friend of mine. That's great. Uh, once I saw, once I interviewed him, I knew that was my next film. And over the course of the past two years, I've, that's what I've been doing is working on this project. Well, Justin, I want to talk a lot about the Uncle Tom film, but I want to go back to when Obama was elected. And it's really interesting to me that, and that we had elected a black president and that was going to be, uh, it was a statement to the whole world, but it was also the American dream come true. What do you think went wrong? Well, I think what went wrong is that Obama slowly, it didn't happen. If you go back to the early Obama speeches, he seems pretty, I mean, he would be considered conservative now where we are right now today. He would, you know, but I think over, he didn't just come out bashing America. He didn't, it, there's actually in the film, there's the clip when he was on 60 Minutes where they asked him if being black was going to hurt his chances at becoming president. And he said no. And so you fast forward, and I don't remember what the first incident was where I started feeling it. Uh, probably the Trayvon Martin case. Or was it, it with the Harvard professor? Yeah, the Cambridge, Gate. the Cambridge police. See, it was the Trayvon Martin that I remember because uh, it, it really, that's where we started seeing the heavy protest and, 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 the, and then it just, from there, it just was like wildfire. And then all of a sudden it was this racial tension that hadn't been there. You know, I grew up, I grew up in a low income community outside of Dallas. And so, you know, I would say, you know, it was a pretty even blend between, you know, whites, Hispanics and blacks. Like it was, we were pretty even numbers. And I remember growing up and, and it, it was, they, there was no tension there. I don't remember. I mean, maybe a little bit here and there, but we were all friendly and I, it wasn't like what you see in the footage from, you know, which right. is what's in the film. It wasn't like the, the, the Jim Crow days or the civil rights movement days, whenever, you know, there was racism really happening. Um, and I, and to, you know, a lot of, ironically, a lot of white people that were my friends voted for Obama. So I was wondering like, why is everything about race? So I think it was gradual. And I think, I think it was towards the end of Obama's presidency where you really, where he really hit the gas and really started uh, putting this rhetoric out there. Well, Justin, we're going to take a break. And when we return, we'll talk more about your evolution to the young, to become the young man who produced this film and um, your perspective on race in America. I'm Carol Swain of Be The People. I'm proud to endorse Patriot Mobile, America's only conservative cell phone network. There are no long-term contracts. Unlimited plans start as low as $25 a month. Patriot Mobile is pro-life, pro-gun rights, and pro-America. 
Contact Patriot Mobile at patriotmobile.com forward slash carol or call 972-PATRIOT. When you mention code CAROL, you'll get your activation fee waived and a free gift for switching service. Spreading the out loud truth from sea to shining sea. AmericaOutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all. This is not a fight of Republican versus Democrat. It's not a fight of rich versus poor, old versus young, man versus woman, gay versus straight. It's not a fight of black lives, blue lives, Hispanic lives, or white lives. This is a battle of good versus evil. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. We are the vision of the voices, America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm back with my guest, uh, Justin Malone, and we're talking about race in America, and in particular, the new film, Uncle Tom. And if you have not seen this documentary film, you should see it. But uh, the interesting thing is that Justin is Caucasian, he's white, and he was able to put together what I believe is an outstanding film uh, along with support from Larry Elder. And so, uh, Justin, uh, tell our listeners um, what you encountered when you started to approach people as a white guy putting together a film about Uncle Tom that's used to disparage blacks as an epithet. Well, you know, to be honest with you, when I first started the film, I was a little nervous about it. It was on my heart to make the film, but, you know, we were, you know, race had become such a sensitive subject. And, you know, obviously knowing that I'm tackling a sensitive subject, I was walking on eggshells. But the more I worked and the more I did interviews, the more confident I got because the people that I was interviewing we're so ready to tell this story. Uh, we're so willing to tell this story. It was really you and the rest of the cast that gave me the confidence to keep going. I didn't really get, I never got one piece of backlash from anybody that's in this film. Um, there was, you know, I got a lot of encouragement and it's, it's funny because I don't think race is important to conservatives, you know? Well, Justin, so I, I have to confess that, uh, when I got the email from you about Uncle Tom, I don't believe I knew when I was given the interview that the film was going to be titled Uncle Tom. Oh, well, I don't, I thought that I had interviewed, uh, in the interview, I had asked everybody about the term Uncle Tom. You did, uh, you did. Okay. Did it, did it, how did it, how did you feel whenever you found out about the title of the film? Well, at first I didn't understand. I thought, had I, had, I thought, have I accidentally given an interview to a liberal and he's going to disparage us and that I'm going to be in this film of Uncle Tom's that they're going to make fun of? And so that crossed my mind briefly because it was a few months after the interview that you actually contacted us and you had the film edited and it was moving right along. Well, I can tell you that from the very beginning of my process that the film was always called Uncle Tom. And I think God put that on my heart. And to be honest with you, a lot of this film unfolded very naturally. I didn't fight a lot 
you know, I think the right people were put in front of me. The, the, the interviews unfolded naturally. Um, it was a lot of work, but the edit was organically put together too. I mean, I, I had a blessing to be able to have the time to, to work on it and give it the time that it, it needed. Um, but the, the reason why Uncle Tom was the title is because I, when I was researching the film, I discovered that Uncle Tom was a hero in the book and that he had self-sacrificed himself in order to free the slaves. And I really felt that a lot of black, that's what black conservatives do in their own way, because it's not easy to be a black conservative. And so it was a little tongue in cheek and a little playful. And I kind of wanted to deflate the term a little bit. Well, you've done um, that. You have done that. You have caused uh, us to embrace it and, and wear it as a badge of honor. And I think that uh, you've done a great public service by uh, taking that term and educating people about the true meaning. Yeah, I mean, if, if anyone reads the, the uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin, they, they will discover that he was a very righteous and Christian loving man. And, you know, I find that I'll, that's what you guys do. I mean, it, it would have been a lot easier for you to be a liberal black professor than a conservative Christian professor. That's but right. You, but you decided to, 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 you know, do what was right and what was on your heart. And a lot of the, you know, being a white man making this film, it, it was, that's where I got my courage because, I, you know, I would get a lot of um, encouragement along the way from everybody. I mean, especially with like having Larry Elder as my producer. For a lot of us black conservatives, like we are who we are in the sense that uh, like for myself, I don't feel that I had a choice about who I am as an individual and the issues and challenges that I've taken on that's caused me to be marginalized or dismissed because I am conservative, those are things that I could not turn my back on. And if I had, uh, you know, calculated, made a calculated decision to be a black liberal, you know, I would have an endowed chair. I would probably be making three or $400,000 rather than right now I'm retired from the uni university. So there is a cost to be paid for black conservatives. And I don't know about everyone in your film, but for a lot of us, we are Christian believers and it is our faith that sustained us when the times have been tough. You know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, in the opening of the film, Chad reveals that, that it was Christianity that brought him to conservative thinking. Because, uh, you know, a lot of the black community in America are raised in the church, but they never really take the time to understand what the policies are. And, you know, they don't, they're not educated on, the, on, on what the platforms are. And Chad you know, had been touched by God and it forced, it forced him to really do the research to see what it was all about. I, my journey it was opposite. You know, I was raised Catholic and when I was about 14 or 15 years old, I turned it off and, and, and walked away from God and became a, a pretty hardcore atheist. And it was, it was conservatism because there, like I had started a business and, um, I had seen Michael Moore's Bowling for Columbine and that movie just rubbed me wrong. And so being a young filmmaker at the time, I thought the filmmaking was excellent, but I felt manipulated. Right. And so I started reach, reaching into that and that kind of led me to talk radio, which led me to Rush Limbaugh. 
And so I would listen, secretly listen to Rush Limbaugh and I really enjoyed him. And then I slowly started not thinking Christians were, were, because at one point I thought if you believed in God that you were silly. I thought, I really but thought it was. that's what they tell us. And especially that's what they tell young people in academia. So it was conservative thinking that I started going back to not, you know, to, to being open-minded. Uh, and then I was blessed to be, be, you know, have a moment with God uh, a little over two years ago before I started this film. And I think it was that, that moment that uh, really, if I'm, you know, launched me into having the courage to not make this film um, particularly, but to, to start pursuing my, my God-given destiny. You know, I was, I was in the commercial world uh, making commercials and I was making a lot of money and I was getting sucked into that and my vanity and greed and all these things were challenging me. And it was a moment of, you know, I got touched and it was on my heart to go, you know, pursue it. So I put everything I had in storage and I went out and started making this film. And now I'm here with you. <laughs> well, I can tell you that uh, you, you've done an excellent job with that film. And I have watched so many documentaries over the years. I've appeared in some and uh, the quality of the film and how you put it together. I thought it was masterful. And I'd like for you to tell our listeners very quickly uh, about some of the people that you chose to be in this uh, film. Okay. Um, well, a couple of, I feel, I mean, I feel like everybody that's on the screen has a standout moment. I don't think there's a, I don't think the film has a dull moment. I, I think the way it's put together is it, it, it doesn't really let you go. Um, but I can tell you one of the biggest, um, well, obviously getting to meet Herman Cain was right. amazing. And I think that um, I captured Herman in a way that no one ever captured him. He really, the minute I walked in the room, we were friends and he really revealed himself and, and w was very, um, he, he allowed himself to get emotional with me. And I, I'm like, I'm forever grateful to, you know, and this has been a tough week for me because me and Herman had become pretty good friends and, so I'm, that was a big, um, that was a big interview for me. But Justin, this will air in a, you know, a few weeks. And so the listeners need to know that we are talking, you know, a few days after Herman Cain's death. Okay. And it's almost like uh, what happened at the premiere was a memorial to Herman Cain because there were some photographs that were taken that are powerful photographs and there was one uh, that was taken of me standing in between uh, Lieutenant Colonel um, Adam West, Alan West and Herman Cain and uh, those shots and, and, and the round table. I mean, what you've done was significant and I got to spend a lot of time with Herman Cain uh, at the premiere and then later uh, when there was a rally in Tulsa and I was just getting to know Herman closely and thinking we were going to have all the, these years to get to know each other when he was taken away. Yeah, that, that was a tough one for me because, I mean, Herman, like, I mean, he, he was the, the seed, right? He, it was him that, like, started this whole journey for me. And the minute I walked into his office, I never met him. I walked in, he said, let's hurry up. I want to take you to lunch. <laughs> And, uh, you know, he's like, I didn't come in here to work too hard today. And he was just, I mean, 
one day I will release uh, all the footage that I captured of Herman Cain. Um, but he was a big one. An another another person uh, that I that was really inspirational to me was was Bob Woodson. Yes, Bob is. Uh, I mean, he reminds. He's such a gigantic figure, so much bigger than uh, most people realize. And I believe his voice is the voice of today for healing when it comes to race relations. Yeah, you know, he's Bob, the yeah. he's the Booker T. Washington of our era in the positive sense. Yeah, and Bob, I, what I love about Bob is he, he doesn't uh, he doesn't wave the flag for a political party. Um, he he he's very critical on on everybody. Uh, he's a man of principle, and I mean, he, so I go to I didn't, and I'll be honest, I didn't know about Bob Woodson. Um, I was out in D.C. and I was on the phone with Larry while we were shooting, and he said, uh, "See if you can get a hold of a Bob Woodson." So we got a hold of a Bob Woodson. And he invited me into his home and I interviewed him in front of his old jukebox. And then the minute he started talking, I think he talked for an hour and a half. And it was just like, I rem I couldn't even talk. I was like, he just, I didn't really even interview him. We just hit record and he just gave it all to me. And I was like, okay, thank you. And then we go upstairs and his wife had made lunch for us. It was, a table was set. So I got to have lunch, and I knew that I was having lunch with um, a historical figure. I knew yes. it. Um, and so, you know, Bob has, you know, become a friend as well. Um, and the Woodson Center is actually uh, helping with resources to promote the film. Um, unfortunately, Bob couldn't make it to the premiere, um, you know, because of his age and, you know, and, and because of what's going on. And so he didn't get to watch it. I, you know, I wanted Bob Woodson to be part of that round table that we filmed. Right. And because of the COVID-19 uh, that's changed all of our lives, uh, Bob couldn't be there. Yeah. We got, we're going to take another break. And when we return, I want you to talk about uh, distribution of the film and also how people can watch it and everything that you think they need to know. So we'll be back in a few uh, seconds. What if there was a book that took the mystery out of prayer, one that made it easier for people to pray God's Word with miraculous results? There is such a book. Joy Lamb's The Sword of the Spirit, The Word of God is a handbook that has changed the lives of thousands of people around the world. You can order your life-changing copy from Joy Lamb's website, thesowardofthespiritbook.com. Order Joy's book and listen to her audio prayers while you're there. I'm back with Justin Malone, and we're talking about the film Uncle Tom. Um, Justin is the uh, film director, producer, inspiration. He is the uh, man behind Malone Pictures, and he's a young man that will be the next Steven Spielberg. You got it here first. So, uh, Justin... Tell our audience what it's like to put out a conservative film, and I am I'm telling, I'm saying this, what it's like because I already know from being around Dinesh D'Souza and some of the other conservatives like Curtis Byers. Well, you know, originally we were in, we were hoping that the film would have a, a theatrical uh, release, a small theatrical release, and I knew that while we were making it that the film was going to be entertaining and 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 i sh you know i made the film to play in a theater the way i, I shot it I, I always wanted to play in a theater and then around april 
that I was told that that wasn't going to happen. So we pivoted and at the time, you know, we didn't really know what to do with it because, you know, Netflix isn't, you know, pounding down the doors for anything uh, conservative. And at the time I was a little nervous because I hadn't, I didn't know what I had. I knew that it was provocative. I knew that it was going to do something, uh, but I hadn't screened it for anyone. I didn't know. I was in that part of the process where I just didn't know if it was good or bad. I didn't know what it was. Um, so we did, you know, we decided to release it uh, through our website in Salem now, which Salem owns a, a, a majority of the conservative radio stations. They've distributed it. And uh, it, I mean, no one had any idea that it was going to do what it did. And um, so right now you can purchase the film through UncleTom.com. But in the in the last several weeks, we have been getting uh, inquired. So I think that the film will probably be going into the mainstream uh, Amazon, iTunes, probably by early September, because uh, the demand is there. And as far as like conservative films go, I think that and I've had a lot of liberal people reach out to me uh, about the film and it's affecting them in a positive way. So I, I think that Uncle Tom, while it is uh, conservative and it, and it is provocative, um, I think that I think that it's open and I think that people are willing to watch. It's, 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 I, I think it's a, an easy film to absorb the information. It, I, I don't feel like, I feel like the way that it's made is that it's very watchable um, and it's not in your face. You know, it's really y'all's story. I just let you guys talk and I, I, I framed it. And I'm getting, so I think that it might actually have a chance at getting into the mainstream and actually getting, getting some eyeballs on it. Well, Justin, do you think it will ever play on PBS? Because I think that it should be on PBS. I haven't, I haven't been approached by them, but I will tell you, and I feel this in my heart, I feel like the film will have a long shelf life. I believe that too. I think that, you know, some of the decisions that we made uh, to not, to make the, you know, even the music, we, 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 we worked very hard on making sure that the music would be timeless. Uh, that the history would be timeless. We were very careful to not put certain political people in there because I didn't want it to be a, just a run up to the election or anything. I wanted it to be an oral history of the American black conservative. Right. So right now we are in very, very strange times and we are, uh, you know, approaching an election that's probably going to be more exhausting than the last one. Um, but I think that the film will live on. So I would not be surprised if in the future PBS would pick it up because I don't think that the film is hateful. I think the film's very oh, true. No, it's, it's not. And I think it makes people feel good about being an American. But I also believe, you know, the God part of this is at this particular moment, when you have the 1619 movement, you know, very divisive, very anti-American, that curriculum going into the uh, public schools that uh, people are looking for something else. And so I think the timing for this film was perfect given Black Lives Matter, Antifa, just all the negative messages that are hitting us. Your film is a film that shows what's possible in America. It shows the successes and you know, no one is dishing America dissing no one is dissing America in that film. We're just telling our stories. 
Yeah, I mean, I, no one. I mean, obviously, you know, America has sins, but what? Who, it, that, that, that's every. I mean, mankind has been very messy. You know, um, there's been two things that have happened recently. Um, I've been getting a lot of messages from uh, homeschooling parents and homeschooling organizations that have embraced the film and that are, are actually already implementing the film into their uh, homeschool curriculum. And then we had a, a woman, I don't remember where she was from, but she was purchasing bulk orders of DVDs and she's been driving them around and putting them inside of libraries. That is wonderful. So I, you know, and I've, and I've gotten uh, um, a lot of history professors, just messages from everybody that are really blown away with how much uh, history they're learning in this 105 minutes. And so Justin, I'd like for you to tell our listeners how they can get the film, how they can help you and us and this whole political movement and I am one of the conservatives interviewed in the film. And I think, you know, Justin has done an outstanding job, despite the fact that I was in the film. And uh, we want to help him. He's a young man that has a bright future ahead of him. So go. Thank you. Uh, you can get everything at UncleTom.com. You can sign up for all of our social media there. Uh, on the homepage, there is an email sign up. I would encourage your listeners to sign up to that. We're going to, you know, that way we can give you all the information of, of, of what's going to be happening. Um, if you want to watch the film right on the homepage, you click watch now and it will take it. Right now, the film is for purchase. You can stream it digitally or buy the DVD. Um, I think we were, we were back ordered on the DVDs because they were, <laughs> we sold so many of them. Uh, but we, I think we've caught up. And then, you know, like I said, uh, the plan is by early September, I think it's going to be on more mainstream platforms because uh, they're wanting the film now because I, I guess the success of the film and the reviews um, of the film have been so outstanding that they can't, you know. So I'm thinking iTunes and Amazon and these things are going to start picking up around September. But if people want to watch it now, uh, go to UncleTom.com and sign up. And you can buy some merch there if you want to donate and uh, help, you know, spread the word. There's a little donate button on there. Um, and yeah, and I appreciate you, Carol. I'm really glad I got to meet you because I was, a, I was a big fan, you know, leading up to get to interview you. And here I am on your show. So this has been really, really fun. Well, thank you so much. And uh, to the listeners out there, remember, it's up to us, the we the people, to be the people who change our nation and our world. And just like uh, Justin became a filmmaker, the next Steven Spielberg, uh, you too can do great things. Just follow your heart. Whatever God has put there, he will make a way. And just think about Justin's story and how this film came to be and how it is going to impact our nation. Until next time, be the people.